Welcome back to the Raider Report podcast, everyone. My name is Nick Benvenuto, the news editor for the Right State Guardian, joined as always by Claire O'Toole, social media assistant. Hi, guys. Holly Hulette, social media assistant as well. Hey, everyone. And Maxwell Patton, Right Life reporter. Hey there. <laughs> and today we also have a special guest with us, Mr. Tim Littell, Associate Vice Provost, Student Success. Tim, how are you doing today? I'm great. Thanks for having me today. Yeah, glad to have you on. It's it's been a little bit since I talked to you. We had a spring break, but right before spring break, I did an interview with you, and I had I really enjoyed that conversation. So I'm excited to have you on today. Talk to you a little bit more about student success, some of the things that student success is involved with in regards to increasing enrollment and retention, um, and then also some of the things that students um, you know can get involved with and engaged with from your department as well. So I'm looking forward to the conversation today. Hi Tim, how are you doing? I'm really great. Thanks, Claire. Good, good. Um, I just want to repeat that joke you told me earlier because it was really funny about your last name. <laughs> about calling me Mr. Little? Yeah, I always yeah. say when students call me Mr. Little, I say it's Mr. Big to you. So yeah. it's actually pronounced okay. Lytel. No, no, you have your name right. Um, so can you give us a little bit of your uh, background on... Uh, Wright State, and if you've done anything before that? Yeah, well, I've been at Wright State just, uh, it was nine years in January. So I came here um, most recently from uh, Lima, Ohio, where I, I worked at Wright State uh, College, and before that, uh, Harper College in Chicago. But I've been at Wright State for nine years. Now, I came originally as the assistant dean of programming back when uh, the division of student success was called University College. And then, uh, you know, one thing leads to another, and they keep giving me more things to do. Uh, and along the way, with a title of Associate Vice Provost for Student Success. Um, my background, my education actually is in counseling. My master's was in counseling. My undergraduate degree, believe it or not, was mechanical engineering. And so I've always felt those two degrees have served me pretty well because they're all about problem solving, right? Uh, it, it just goes from thing, things problems to people problems. Yeah, absolutely. So where did you go to school? I'm sorry if you said. Yeah, my undergrad uh, is in engineering from Ohio Northern University. And then uh, I got my master's from University of Dayton right here in Dayton. Oh, nice. So um, when you came to Wright State, what what were your biggest challenges coming in? Well, you know, it was January of 2012 when I started, um, and that fall was semester conversion, fall of 2012. And uh, now remember, this was one semester prior to the start of the um, the fall semester, and we still hadn't even uh, completed all of the conversion of our courses in areas that I oversaw in developmental education. So that was the biggest first challenge was I was handed a, you know, a challenge to say, okay, Tim, we have to have this course up and running by fall. Um, and again, the institution had been working on this for two years. 
And I had to get that done in one semester. Now, granted, we had a team of people that were rolling up their sleeves and ready to do the work, but it was a huge challenge. The other big challenge for me later that spring was knowing my way around above ground. Because if you start in the winter at Wright State, you only walk around in the tunnels. And then spring came, spring came and someone said, oh, it's over there by the moat. I said, we have a moat <laughs> over there by uh, <laughs> Allen Hall. And I went, oh, right. I've never been above ground yet. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. so what would they have called January on quarters? Winter quarter? It was called winter quarter, yeah. So we were happy when semesters got rid of winter, right? It just went from fall to yeah, spring. Right. Love that. That's the sound was nice, right? <laughs> yeah. So um, clearly uh, you survived. You've been here a long time. Um, what have been some of the highlights since you've come to Wright State and other challenges, if you'd like to talk about that? Well, one of the, the, the biggest things we had to do at semester conversion. This was at a time in which the state funding model was changing um, very radically uh, for the state. In the old days, they used to fund public universities like ours based on the number of students that were enrolled in the fall quarter of that year. And so it was a it was based on headcount. And then in 2014 or so, the subsidy model changed to where it was a um, completion uh, performance-based funding. And so course completion and graduation made up the bulk, 80% of the funding model. And so suddenly things like I had been doing up till that point for like 25 years now became the centerpiece of the university, student success. Um, not just providing these services to students, but ensuring that students that attended our university were succeeding. They were completing their courses, they were enrolling in the next term, uh, and they went on to graduate. So those were, were huge challenges for us because it, it fundamentally altered how we had to uh, focus our, our resources. And so developmental education reform was critical because at the same time that model was changing, they said they no longer would fund uh, subsidies, provide subsidies for developmental courses at a public university. Now, for us, that meant we had to change how we taught those courses. And and we did. And so we've been working on this actually for the whole nine years I've been here. And we're still not done because it's such a big project. Um, but we're making a difference. We, we've uh, increased pass rates for uh, what are called gateway math and English courses in the first year of enrollment for students. Um, they're, they're, students are completing those courses at a higher rate than ever before uh, because of really uh, strong efforts in and edu- developmental education reform um, with our partners in both the English department and the, and the math department. That's probably one of the, the most significant um, both challenges and, and outcomes that, that we've had. And then of course, Along the way, we have these things we didn't plan for, right? Um, We've had uh, lots of change in leadership, uh, budget uh, problems, the strike, all of these things that you don't put in a plan, right? Um, And all the while, try to work the plan that you have while you have these incoming uh, issues and items that uh, 
cause uh, disruption to the plan, right? COVID uh, last year. We It just seems like it's one thing after another for Wright State some days. It is. And actually, the uh, Flight magazine you mentioned before we started recording, I did an article about how students who are juniors and seniors have been impacted by the strike and by COVID and how they've never had a normal semester. And uh, hearing you talk about that makes me think I should have interviewed some adults, well, we're all adults, but uh, staff and faculty to see how they feel. Um, so speaking of this current challenge, um, what has student success during COVID looked like? Is it different? Yeah, very much. I mean, our students have been great, right? Um, we've had to you know, basically turn our bricks and mortar university into a remote university within days last spring. Really fast. And and very fast. And, you know, I used to joke with our director of academic support that we needed an online tutoring program. And we, you know, he would examine that and we would look at that. And there were some, some ways to do it that we felt we could do better. But, you know, these were things we were contemplating. And boy, you know, COVID came and it's like, next thing you know, we had an online tutoring program within three days. Now, is it equal to what we do in that building in the Student Success Center? No, it's not. Um, In fact, when we surveyed students in the spring, they were very complimentary to the work that was done. Um, 75 uh, to 85% of those students said that they, they, uh, liked very uh, very much those services. However, those same students said they prefer face to face, right? For all the reasons that you can imagine. So yeah, absolutely. At, now, what we found was those numbers were down uh, pretty significantly in the fall. We were down by about a third um, of the number of students that typically would seek um, tutoring. And of course, I was very concerned about that because that also is an indication that those students may have given up, right? And I think that a lot of students found, uh, even very successful students found working remote was difficult. Everything took longer. And so we saw that a little bit in our persistence from fall to spring. Um, Those numbers were down a bit. Um, I'm concerned about our retention rate for next fall. You know, students may have given up because it was so overwhelming. So we've got a big task ahead of us in terms of reorienting all of our students in the fall and our own staff and faculty for that matter, right? We've all gotten very accustomed to this. And so we need to figure out how to to work on campus again uh, in a productive way. But it's certainly, even though we've done it and we've made it work, I, I would argue it is not equal to what it means to get a university education. And I think our students would agree with me. What do you guys think? Yeah, I just wanted to chime in real quick and talk a little bit about the tutoring services as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's something that in my freshman and sophomore year, um, while I was, you know, enrolled in some of the developmental courses in math and science, um, I was also highly involved in tutoring services. I had tutors for two or three of my classes for, you know, throughout my entire freshman and sophomore year. And I think that it was absolutely instrumental in helping me get to where I needed to be, um, you know, because I decided to come back to college at a later at a later age than most people. I had five, six years in between high school and when I first came to Wright State. So it was, you know, absolutely instrumental in helping me get back into the swing of things, learning, um, you know, things that, you know, most students had probably learned, you know, in their senior year of high school 
just a couple months prior, you know, I, I hadn't learned those things in five or six years. So I'm kind of interested to hear from you, Tim, and see what, what has the response been like from both, you know, the students that are doing the online services, but then also the tutors that are helping provide those services to the students. Um, has it been, has it been an overall positive response? Cause I'm sure that, you know, while it would be difficult to receive tutoring in an online manner, it's probably just as equally difficult to try to tutor somebody over an online format. So what, what have, what kind of response have you guys been getting back from that? Yeah, I think by and large, I think the folks that are participating, both the students that are receiving tutoring and those that provide it, would say that it's a very positive experience. It's it's yielding mm-hmm. what we want it to do. Um, we've had to do some things technically different. For example, our math tutors, we invested in tablets so that they could actually um, show problems on the screen, you know, to a student. Um, oh, nice. You know, to do math, you, you can't, you know, you have to show it and, you know, you have to use your yeah. hand and write it in your hand. And so we, it did take some investment in technology. We had to, um, we're using different platforms for different tutoring because different platforms sort of facilitate different things uh, for different topics. Mm-hmm. Um, the, stu- the, the one advantage we found is that we can tutor um, longer hours, right? Because our tutoring center, um, yeah, absolutely. Has a finite amount of time. We can leave it open, um, you know, sort of safely for the staff that's there, and so um, that's one advantage. Now we think there'll be a model where we'll have a a, a remote type of tutoring um, offering uh, post COVID, but the downside was we saw the number of students participating in tutoring much lower than it was the year before in our normal. Okay campus. Now, part of that is the serendipity of tutoring, right? I mean, the reason we have mm-hmm. that big glass wall in our in our academic success centers is so that students can anticipate what would happen if they got help, right? They they see mm-hmm. that and they go, oh that's hey, there's my classmate in there. I guess I guess it's I maybe I should try this, right? Yeah. Um, but it's one of those out of sight, out of mind kind of situations. So the fact that we didn't right. have tutoring in a physical space made it easy for students to not show up. Right. Yeah. Um, So I think it is cool that, you know, even post COVID, you guys are going to explore some sort of online tutoring um, that students can explore while also, you know, having the option to go face to face with it. I think that that's going to be really cool. Yeah. I mean, the the one thing we we have learned out of all this, right, is that there are elements of remote and and, uh, using technology in ways we never thought we we could or would. Um, expand what we do, right? It, it won't replace entirely what we do because again, what I, what I remind our folks in the division of student success is, you know, a university education is not just, you know, technically going through sort of a checkbox, right? If, I, if we do all our academic advising and tutoring via email, for example, so here's what you need to do. What gets lost in that are those nuances of the relationships that we build with each other, right? That really mm-hmm. help facilitate the difficult times. Um, yep. And and I know all of you on this uh, on this podcast know from your own experience as a student that you could probably name two or three or four people very specifically that made a difference in your education. 
And it was yeah, that absolutely. relationship that made a huge difference for you. And it could be anybody. It could have been a classmate. It could be a professor. It could be an advisor. It could have been, you know, a grounds crew person. It could have been anybody. And when you're doing remote, those opportunities to have those relationships uh, are really suffer. And so I'm very, very eager to get back on campus. And so is our staff. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I'm thinking about what you've said, Tim, that there are so many wonderful people uh, at Wright State. And just my communications professors, um, I have been lucky enough to have them in class. And I'm thinking about us being online now and how that relationship got started before we went online. And I wouldn't, um, I wouldn't get to enjoy them as much. I wouldn't appreciate the class as much if I didn't know them in person. So that's a really good point you made. Yeah, um, I mean, w- one of the things we have a, I oversee academic advising, and one of our assistant directors was setting up a training uh, for her new advisor, and she said, "Do you have any words of wisdom?" And I said, "Well, here's." here's something to think about. I said, you know, I was an advisor for many years and I said, I believe there's no such thing as, is misadvising. There's only, the only thing that can go wrong in advising is a bad relationship. What I mean by that is even when I was an advisor, let's say that I gave a student bad information for whatever reason, if your relationship is really solid then the ability to fix that mistake is much easier when you have a solid relationship to to um, to lean on, and I I think that's at the core of what we do at Wright State, and 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 what is our greatest successes at Wright State are always relationship based. It also is true to say that all of our failures, so to speak, probably are a failure of a relationship uh, where we lost trust, right, and. So in the end, we've got to continue post-COVID to figure out ways to enhance those relationships, right? Whether that is in a classroom or outside of the classroom, on the sidewalk, in the tunnel, at a basketball game, all of those things matter because that's part of the university experience. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing your experience. And I mean this in a very complimentary way. I can tell that you have uh, a counseling degree. You sound very, <laughs> very matter of fact, very yeah. logical, very positive. So, yeah, awesome. I I have a quick question, real quick. I, I wanted to uh, I wanted to kind of go back to to the counseling thing. I think it's really interesting that you have a mechanical engineering degree and you also have a counseling degree. So, was there something that happened? Um, you know, in your life that made you want to make that, you know, degree program switch? Or what was it that led you from going, you know, something as hands-on as like mechanical engineering to like diving deep into the psyche of people and working on counseling? Yeah, you know, it's a, it's a funny, it's a great question because it, it, it doesn't seem to match, does it? But for me, my, you know, when I was in high school, I loved math and physics, that, you know, and of course, your guidance, my guidance counselor tracked me toward engineering. And of course, like a good student does, I do what I'm told. And so <laughs> uh, I, I get this engineering degree, but along the way, I was very involved in residence life. I was an RA for four or for three years and very involved in, in that program. 
Um, I actually worked in the placement office uh, of our campus when I was a student. And in fact, the placement director that she hired me as a student, um, after I graduated, I went to work as an engineer and I hated it. It was just so boring. <laughs> and I thought, I can't do this for 30 years. And so I actually went back to work at Ohio Northern as the interim placement director because I had a student job in that office, believe it or not. And oh, then wow. fast forward to about 10 years ago, that same placement director that, I, that hired me as a student, I hired her when I was the dean of students at another college, and she retired uh, <laughs> working for me. That's so, crazy. So then that led to the the, the counseling degree. And, and again, the con the connection was that both of those, but my engineering degree taught me to be a really good problem solver, right? Like, mm -hmm. uh, and Absolutely. like to Claire's point, being logical and matter of fact, what's the, what are the facts in front of me? And then being a counselor sort of was an extension of that. What can I do to help solve a person's problems and people's problems? And that's really um, what we do in student success. I remind my staff all the time, whenever they're having a bad day and they're convinced everything's broken at Wright State, I, I say to them, remember, you're here for the problems, right? If things are working well for a student, you might never get to talk to them because everything's working fine. Yeah. I said, but when things break, that's where you come in and we help them fix it. I said, it's only broken for a few, right? And we just yep. have to help fix it for them and then fix it for the folks that, that are coming next. So it's all problem solving in my mind. Yeah, I, I love that perspective. I think it's really cool how, you know, the one degree gave you a certain set of skills. The second degree gave you another set of skills, but they both kind of helped round you out to where you are now. And you're able to utilize the skills from both degrees. I just yeah. think that that's pretty cool. Yeah. And weirdly, uh, back in the day, I got a call from a university out east in Boston called Northeastern. And they were looking for a co-op coordinator. And the, and the required credentials, believe it or not, was a bachelor's degree in mechanical engineering and a master's in counseling, <laughs> of which I had. Really? And, and so they tracked me down. I didn't right. take the job, by the way. <laughs> Tim, you're talking about student involvement. How vital would you say that student involvement is for student retention? Oh, it's it's. Number one, I mean, when you look at our staff in the division of student success, for every professional staff member we have in the division, we hire two to three students. Um, and so our student staff is critical to what we do, whether that's in tutoring, um, in peer, uh, peer work, when we have uh, peer instructors in our first year seminar, peer mentors uh, in our math studio. Um, the outreach folks we use in orientation. Um, I, I think that the, the student engagement is the, the critical piece to why students succeed. Um, I, you know, for me as an example, I probably wouldn't have completed my degree at Ohio Northern if I hadn't been involved in some other things outside of the class. Um, you know, for me, engineering and all that coursework was just the, the secondary piece to all the other things I was doing on that campus. So as much as we can get students involved, and we have a, a complicated campus, don't we? So we have, you know, a good two thirds of our students are residential in their first year. And then we kind of shift to this commuter model for many of those students. And I think what we 
one of our challenges at our at our university is how we can program for all our students, regardless of their situation of either living on campus or adjacent to or commuting from home. Um, but yeah, I, I think uh, student engagement is um, just critical uh, for students to be able to be successful because they want you know you want to feel a part of it, don't you? Um, I mean, yeah. all of you are successful because you're doing things beyond the classroom. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not just saying, well, I got to tick through these courses and then I get the degree and I'm out of here. Um, you're doing these other things. And these other things, by the way, are the things that are going to get you the job. The degree will get you the interview. But these yeah. other things, that's what's going to get you the job. It's funny. It's 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 something that I always tell people. I'm I'm so upset that I waited so long to get involved. I didn't start, you know, really putting myself out there and engaging with other students and faculty members until, you know, basically my senior year. And now once I did, I'm like, man, I waited so long. I could have had, you know, like you said, with relationships, I could have made so many more relationships or met so you many more people. Ready. But you just weren't ready. Right. At yeah. the time. And, you know, maybe it would have been wasted at the time. Maybe you, you were more <laughs> motivated to do it now. Who knows? Yeah, I think I think it's just getting out there and doing it is what matters the most. It doesn't necessarily matter when, as long as you go out there and do it, get yourself engaged, get yourself involved, make those relationships. That's what really counts. That's right. Have you seen uh, any like real difference in how to really engage with students when they're from the Dayton area versus like someone who could be from like out of state or maybe even out of the country? Yeah, you know, it's funny you should say that because we were just talking about this last week with orientation um, about trying to create some opportunities for people to come and stay over the night before orientation. Now, again, with our remote situation, we, we're going to we've got it, it gets complicated. But in an, in a perfect world, we have lots of folks that come from across the state, you know, looking to really get a change of venue, right? Folks from Cleveland and Columbus and Cincinnati are saying, I, I want to go away to college, but I, I you know, I, my situation is such I can't go out of state, right? It's a little cheaper to go in state. And so I do think we have a lot of those students um, and you've met them. They're in your classes. It might be some of you. You might not all be. Are, are all of you from what we call Raider country? I am, yes. Yeah. Yes, I am too. All right. I'm actually from Cleveland. Oh, so see, there you I'm go. I, thanks, Claire, for being my example. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, we, we're used to, we, the bulk of our students come from this region, right? But um, we have lots of students that really do want to be at Wright State um, uh, for very specific reasons that are not uh, in the region. And so uh, that's an opportunity for all of us, right? Because this is where we start to learn about things different than what we've experienced in our own our own high schools and our you know where everything seems about the same in this area and same with Absolutely. our international students right that our international uh, program is as important for us who might be domestic students as it is for our international students so again the these perspectives are really really important because you know we're preparing our students for a, for a workplace in which people will have different points of view and different um, approaches to things, not just 
their coworkers, but their customers and their clients. And so it is incumbent upon all of us to be prepared for that. For many of us, and this was my case growing up, you know, I went to a high school where everybody looked the same. Mm -hmm. Everybody had the same value system. And then it went to college. I'm like, wow, you know, you met people from different walks of life or different and and had different perspectives. Um, And it really serves me well as a as an adult, but more importantly, as a productive worker. Right. Um, Because you don't get to pick what committee uh, who's going to be on your committee. Right. You get to pick in Mm -hmm. high school who you're going to eat lunch with at the at the at the cafeteria. But in the real world, you don't get to pick um, who you're assigned to or who your coworkers are, your committees that you're going to work with. Fortunately for me, I have really great ones I work with here at Wright State. But definitely different points of view, though. Would you say that Wright State is investing enough in student retention? Oh, for certain. I think that uh, certainly with President Edwards' leadership, she has been very, very clear uh, of her vision of what she um, uh, values um, on our, at our institution. You, you know, she talks about her three R's of uh, uh, re- recruitment, retention, and relationships. And I don't think she could get it any better. Um, and she certainly, uh, you know, as they say, puts her money where her mouth is. Um, our division of student success has grown nearly more than doubled at the time I've been here um, in terms of um, its focus. Now, it's grown in that sense of not new people necessarily, but um, for example, uh, Raider Connect just joined our division this past January. Last year, Orientation joined our division. Um, Career Services and Advising was centralized in our division a couple years back. So she's very laser focused on our frontline services and how they support our students from the retention lens, which is, uh, you know, my key focus. Um, but she's consistent with those resources she's committed in, in recruitment and relationships as well. You're mentioning the, um, the three R's being recruitment, retention, and relationships. And there's also been a, uh, a new initiative as well, uh, a little app called Circle In. Yeah, I believe we actually wrote an article about that here uh, a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Um, or what? What have you seen that app doing for um, students here recently? Yeah, I mean, this goes back to our when I saw the tutoring numbers in the fall, I was not, I was concerned um, with that many students not engaging those services, and so I had stumbled upon this app through a colleague and so reached out to the vendor and you know to be honest we were late in deploying it in the spring so we've got just i think we're just shy of 900 students are using the app right now i'd rather have you know 2000 students in there um for us the investment was really small so it was worth the risk um for spring um, but again, I, I was looking for a way in which students could engage themselves and each other that would mimic, you know, that tunnel conversation. And the reason mm-hmm. I like this app is the gaming features. 
so it you know it's based on gaming theory so the more you engage the app you're qualified for reward points right so you can get a gift card to chipotle or you know that type of thing um are you using it maxwell uh currently i'm not yeah it it, i found what what we found is the the folks using it the most are in the sciences um chemistry Mm -hmm. uh you know of course that's a killer course for a lot of students so we have a lot of students uh, using it in chemistry and, and they're doing what they would do with social media anyway, right? They're sharing uh, conversations about today's lecture. Um, they're sharing notes with one another. Um, so it, it, you know, it, it has a lot of merit, but it, I, I've been a little uh, disappointed in the, in the number of students that have downloaded the app, but that's on me. Can you go ahead and explain just a little bit, Tim, maybe for the people that don't know what Circle in, can you explain, give a little background on it, on what it actually does and what students are able to do? Yeah, so uh, Circle in is a, a basically a social media studying platform, and it's attached to each of the courses uh, in our system. So a student, when they download the app, their courses appear automatically in the app. And then every student that has a, has downloaded the app will appear in that roster of that course, so they can interact with their classmates um, uh, within the within the app, and they can uh, prioritize their studying. There's some study strategy uh, devices in there. There they can do flashcards to practice, um, so they can create some study tools, um, and then they can communicate with. Uh, each other. What we did is we put, we embedded tutors in a few of the courses, uh, like we would do with supplemental instruction with SI leaders, because again, we were seeing lower numbers of participation in that in our online version. So this mm-hmm. app helped us to to sort of embed tutors where the students are. Okay. So, that sounds cool. Honestly, I had heard about it through emails and stuff, but I don't have it downloaded myself, but I think I'm going to download it, you know, after this podcast. I'd I think that's something that I would like hear, to get involved in. I'd love for any of you to, if you download it, um, certainly uh, let me know um, what you think of it. It's something we'll need to consider whether we continue with it. But if you go to write.edu slash circle in, it'll give you some background in it. You can uh, download the app. It gives both a desktop version and then your phone version of it. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, I'm going to download it for the podcast for sure. I, th- I think that would be super helpful for um, like language courses, because uh, especially with ha- all this online stuff, that makes it super difficult to learn a new language, especially in like a, in one of the higher courses. So I think that would help out like extremely well. I'm glad you said that, Maxwell, because I got an email from a faculty member in the languages who said that very thing. So and I said, please encourage your students to download it. So you, you are in good company there. Yeah, the app sounds really cool. I honestly didn't really know what it did. I heard the same uh, things like Nick said through email, um, but I wasn't sure what it did. But especially with COVID now and what you said about like making relationships, we don't really get that in the classroom at this point. So it sounds like an amazing thing to kind of connect with your fellow students and make those relationships uh, outside of the classroom, but inside of the classroom mm-hmm. as well. And, and I was going to say too, one of the other nice features of it is it's it's sort of bully proof. And what I mean by that is 
you can't go into an anonymous made up name. It's through your right state credential. So you would be Holly in this. Now, the reason I say that is, you know, we're already talking to one another in social media, but as you know, social media can go go pretty dark pretty quickly. Yes, uh, it if, can. If someone I've experienced that a lot right. in yeah. my own life. <laughs> and so what I like about this is it 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 prevents that sort of activity. Of course, if it did occur, it would be a violation of the student code of conduct and we would be able to track it down much easier. But anyway, so go ahead, Holly. Sorry, I didn't yeah. just want to add that. Well, uh, I want to kind of jump back to what you said about student engagement being critical for student success. I absolutely couldn't agree more. I was kind of in the same boat as Nick where I got involved later in my college career, but I'm glad I did. Um, Are there like any opportunities for students to remain engaged throughout the summer and then moving uh, into the fall, especially since we'll be shifting back to in-person and on campus? Yeah, in fact, uh, Joni Hendricks, who's our coordinator for orientation, she would, I can picture her telling me right now, hey, tell them to call her uh, if students are interested <laughs> in becoming a peer mentor for orientation. Um, we actually, the way that we, um, we have a number of uh, student jobs in our division. Um, peer mentors become really important, not only working in orientation all summer long, but actually, we, they, we extend that work into the fall and spring. So the work they're doing as orientation mentors become peer mentors with success coaches later in the fall. They might be assigned to a first-year seminar course, or they might be assigned to a cohort of students that they're reaching out to. So certainly, um, if students want to make uh, a little bit of money while they're in school, they can certainly uh, get a job with, with us. Um, you know, our career services director told me we still uh, employed over 1,500 students this year, which is equivalent to what we did the year before. So even in a, in a COVID remote world, our institution depends on our student uh, staff um, to run the university. And quite frankly, I'm glad for that. I would, I, I, we have some really incredible student talent on our campus that not only does great work for the university, but this is an enhancement to your resume. Again, anytime a student can get experience, even if it's not related directly to their field, is always going to be better than the student that only has the degree. So uh, student employment is certainly one way to do that, to stay engaged. But the other would be just to go to campus events, you know, even if they're the remote ones, right? I know our folks, our, our friends in student affairs have continued to do programming, even when it was remote, get involved in clubs, you know, whatever the club of interest is. We have a club for everything, um, I think, it seems like. I think we have a badminton, I think someone even said, right? So whatever whatever thing that, that interests you, um, do something uh, beyond the classroom because it's going to make a difference. Yeah, absolutely. So is there anything that you're looking forward to most this fall, you know, since we're moving back on campus and things are going to start opening back up again? What's like the one thing you're looking forward to the most? I really am uh, looking forward to seeing our students, our staff and our faculty um, beyond a WebEx or Zoom meeting um, beyond an email that's all business. Um, 
I miss uh, my personal interactions with all of those folks, um, hearing about students and the experiences they're having, um, the conversations I have with students and staff and faculty in Union Market in the tunnels. I, I can't tell you how much I miss that. Um, and, and I'm a pretty happy fella. Um, and so I can imagine the mental health of not only our students, uh, but our, our staff and faculty has suffered greatly uh, during this pandemic. And so um, I'm, I'm looking forward to us all getting back to being social beings again. And I think fall is going to be a lot more normal than we think. I know a lot of people are still a, a, a bit um, concerned. Um, you know, they're fearful of what we don't know in terms of some of the health things. But I can assure you, and I know the president has said this, and she will continue to say it, as we return to campus in the fall, we'll do it with everyone's health and safety as the number one priority. Um, but we want to get back to normal. And in it, Part two of that is we're going to continue to do some of the things we learned to do remote really well that are good for everybody. We'll continue to do some of those things, too. So um, I think it's exciting. I think we've got a lot of uh, things to look forward to. Yeah, I just wanted to chime in and reiterate how important I think it is, um, you know, for some sort of normalcy to return in the fall um, in regard to the mental health of everyone. We've talked about it a number of times on the podcast. We've written stories about it during, uh, you know, like National um, Suicide Prevention Awareness Month. Yeah. We've, we've covered topics like this greatly at The Guardian. And one of the things that, you know, everybody seems to say, even even people that I know are that are that are like the most introverted people that are homebodies that, you know, you would never think would be, you know, suffering during a time like this. Everybody just says the same thing. It's constant. I can't wait until I can go back and have normal conversations with people without having to wear a mask, you know, with being able to just interact with, with anybody, you know, yeah. being able to go to the grocery store. And if you see somebody wearing something you like, not being afraid to go up and say, Hey, I like your outfit. Whereas yeah. now it's like, Oh, I, you know, I got to stay six feet apart. I'm just going to keep my mouth shut yeah. not worry about it. And right. yeah, I just, I, I think that that is going to do, you know, so much good for so many people. I, I do too. And I think, uh, and I, anything that you all can do, you know, as, as the guardian and, the work that you guys do with your media to help reorient all of us, right, to in the fall. I think there, um, you know, I envision that we're going to have lots of events and opportunities again to come together when again the the opportunities arise. And again, we'll have to do it within all of the appropriate uh, health and safety standards at the moment. But they're going to change pretty yep. much on a daily basis until we get through fall. Absolutely. Well, Tim, we got one last question for you here. This is something that we ask everybody. Um, kind of gives us a little something to laugh about. So I know that you said that you drink tea and that you were currently drinking tea during this episode, but do you drink coffee ever? And if you do drink coffee, how do you take your coffee? I drink coffee black and I drink a lot of it in the morning and then I shift the tea in the afternoon. So, um, but yeah, I like my coffee uh, black and strong. And I like it so strong, I like it to crawl out of the cup. Uh, that's how strong. <laughs> well, sounds what is what is it about tea that you like to switch over for like midday tea? Well, here's another little tidbit about me. I my mother is British, and so okay. 
I was raised on a lovely cup of tea, right? Uh, always a lovely cup of tea. In fact, I got my. I thought that you. I thought that you, either you or your either you or somebody in your family might have been from from overseas yeah. because I I follow you on Instagram and I see you kind of some of the dialect that you'll use on Instagram and in your captions. I'm like, is he from Great Britain? I yeah, think he might so, be. Yeah, my I have dual citizenship. Actually, I got my British passport last year, and I can't do anything huh. with it. I felt like James oh, Bond no. when I got. It. I felt so cool. I had. <laughs> you know, U.S. passport and U.K. and here I'm stuck with. I can't even use it. So, uh, yeah. So yeah, it's just a my my mom is 83 years old, and so it's just a point of pride for you know, I I like my British mother, so I try to honor her history mm-hmm. by that's drinking, awesome drinking tea. Once so, you get the chance, do you have any any future plans to go over to the UK and visit for a little well, bit? Well, we're supposed to go in August. There's supposed to be a big okay. wedding. Uh, so I guess there, there's a wedding that my mom was invited to. So I'm I'm going to try to get there in August. We'll see. I don't know if things are going to open up or not. But I'll say a prayer for you. I hope that you can. And if not, uh, even if I do, do go in August, so in September when I come back, uh, you're all invited to my office for tea one afternoon. We'll, I'll make you a proper English cup of tea. That would be amazing. That would be amazing. I would take you up on that offer for sure. Good. Good. I assume all of you love listening to music considering, um, you know, you're all human and uh, you're on a (laughs) podcast, so it works out. Um, Well, you can listen to music. You can listen to sports. You can listen to comedy. You can listen to whatever you want on our radio station, WWSU 106.9 FM, Fairborn Dayton, Dayton's Right Choice. That is the way it always goes, and I will never get that out of my head until the day I die. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, we have everything on there. We do music, we do sports, we do comedy. Uh, we have pre-recorded live remote shows and a really talented pool of DJs. Uh, personally, I host a show uh, every Monday from 3 to 5 called Rockin' Raider. Uh, sometimes it's myself, sometimes it's uh, my friends, and um, we're mainly just like talking about music, playing music, and uh, talking about pop culture because I'm a huge pop culture nerd. Uh, so that's been a lot of fun. Um, we're wrapping up this semester since I'm graduating, so we've also been integrating it with a new podcast called Musically Right. Um, and hopefully, we're going to have uh, Hannah Bond. Uh, from the Emerging Choreographer concert, uh, one of the people I talked to for that article. Uh, she's going to be on tomorrow's show. Um, fortunately, that concert's already passed, um, so uh, it's a little bit dated, but it's, we're still going to upload it because, you know, why not? Because, you know, it's a fun conversation. And Nick is going to be on there, too, here pretty shortly, so definitely watch out for that. Yeah, ca- I will. Ca- yes, I will. You can catch it every Monday, 3 to 5, before the Raider Report. Awesome. And I can second that. Everything going on at WWSU 106.9 is great. I love everybody over at that radio station, always putting out good content, allowing us at The Guardian to put out our content as well. Could not thank them enough. Um, So yeah, check out all of their stuff, WWSU 106.9 FM. And also be sure to check out The Guardian social medias at WSU Guardian on Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, we're all over the place. Anywhere there's a social media, we have content coming out for you. Um, and yeah, uh, Tim, thank you so much for being here, talking with us for for this past fifty minutes. It's always good talking with you. I look forward to our next conversation, having some having some proper English tea with you here in the near future. Um, good. Thank you so much for being here, man. It really does mean a lot. Thanks for having me. I really enjoyed the conversation.
Absolutely. Claire, Holly, Maxwell, thank you so much for being here on a weekly basis as well. Um, we got a couple more episodes that we're going to pump out while Maxwell and I are still here. And Claire, actually, we, all three of us are going to be graduating this year. So we got some more episodes that we're going to oh, pump boy. out, get some good content coming um, before we head out of here. So thank you guys so much. And we'll be back next week for another episode. Bye, guys. See you, everyone. Bye.